Hello, everybody. It's time. It's time. It is time. And I'm so excited. I firmly believe like tonight is one of those rhema word. Like this is going to give us an inside perspective on how to unlock the miraculous. And I can't wait to get in this word with you on tonight. Um, everybody all over the world, from the bottom of my heart, I just say thank you. Thank you for all your love, all your support. It truly means so much to me, um, so much to my wife, and I'm just honored to serve you. I don't want to be before you long, so I'm going to skip past all the preliminaries, platitudes, and introductory declarations. Get your screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world so that we could know how this World War Me series is blessing you. And let's get to work. Are y'all ready for this on tonight? The Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then later on we're going to read this from the Message Bible version. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands is this not look at this the carpenter the son of Mary and the brother of James Joseph Judas and Simon are and are not his sisters here with us so they were offended at him but Jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Our clause of concern, our verse of emphasis and importance, and where we're going to try to set somebody free and give you access to a kingdom key takes residence in verse 5. He could do no mighty work there except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for allowing us to come together, dissect your word, and we pray that you will shift our hearts and give us a different perspective so that we can live a kingdom life and be your billboard here in the earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer and is ready for the word of God on tonight, would you put in the room, amen, amen, amen. He could do no mighty work there except lay his hand on a few sick people. Church family, we are in this World War Me series. This, this World War Me series, and we started off with some heat. For part one, we dealt with mind games, really trying to get us to understand that our life moves in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. And scripture tells us to be transformed by how well you preach. Doesn't say that. By how well you sing. By how many videos you upload on YouTube, by your vlog. No, be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind because your life is constructed by how you think. Your life is constructed by how you think. And this is massive because this means I'm going to have to have a different level of thinking when it comes to my decision making and even my relationships. Because when you entertain that person, you don't just get his body. When you entertain a woman, you don't just get her body. What you get is the way they think. You get the way they process content, intel, and information. And please do not say I do until you have seen this man think under pressure, until you have seen him angry, until you have seen him in a season that requires for him to have another level of thinking ability. You really don't know him. I need to see the way you think, bro, in every season, fall, spring, summer, winter. I need to see how you operate in every season because your mind it's like soil. And we articulated that soil is neutral. It doesn't matter what seed I plant in it. The job of soil is to provide room and board for seed and push the identity of that seed out. So if there's a lot of lust seeds in here, oh, there's going to be a lot of lust inside of here. If there's a lot of worry in here, there's going to be a lot of worry inside of my heart. Which is why we have to be careful of who we're talking to and what shows we watch because everything is a gardener. Everything is a gardener. Then we talked about insecurity from a male, male perspective and a female perspective. And we can kind of wrap this up as insecurity's fine statement is you're not enough. Did God say you surely won't die? Because he knows the day that you eat this fruit, you're going to be like him, knowing the good and the evil. What is he saying? You're not enough. And that is the statements of insecurity. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not clean enough. You're not saved enough. You're not educated enough. You're not pure enough. You're not enough. And when we live a life believing the lie of insecurity, we'll forever be climbing this invisible ladder to obtain this forbidden fruit and take a bite only to discover that it did not cure me of my insecurity, but rather it took me further away from the one who cleanses me of insecurity. I'm just trying to get people to understand that you need to walk around with confidence. You know what confidence is? When you're walking around with this posture, God got me. God got me. I can walk around with this posture. I don't fear the ways because I have trust in the one who can walk on them. Everything about our society and our culture tells us to remove the blemish. You can get this surgery for that procedure, and you can get this for your lips and this for your hips. Everything is about removing the blemish, but it is our blemishes that are the receipt of our authenticity. Then last week we dealt with lust. I was trying to get us to understand it's not just about the act. It's about it being an usher. What could this lead to? No, you being over there at 3 in the morning may not be sin. You kiki keying in his face. It may not be sin. Oh, but it is an usher. And on tonight, tonight I want to talk about something that you don't hear preached about much, but I believe it is a revolutionary word that will help us unlock some kingdom doors. And you don't hear this much, especially from my generation, from millennial pastors. I want to try to help us understand how to tap into the miraculous and why we seem a limited revelation an activation of the miraculous. Y'all ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen, I always thought that the most tragic and heart-wrenching words in the Bible 
was located in John chapter 11, verse 35, where it tells us Jesus wept. Lord, what happened? What did they do to make you cry? I always thought that was the most heart-wrenching and tragic words. But after studying over the last few days, I've had a change of heart. I now believe that the most heart-wrenching and tragic words in the Bible can be found in our foundational text. He could do no mighty work there. We're talking about Jesus, y'all. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the lion out of the tribe of Judah. We're talking about that Jesus. This is the same Jesus that in other towns was cleaning out ERs, <laughs> cleaning the sick, healing the sick. That same Jesus who could walk on the storm, that same Jesus who was asleep in the midst of a storm. You go down there and wake him up, and he will speak to the storm and be, say, be quiet, and the winds will stop roaring, and the waves will stop banging. We're talking about that Jesus. We're talking about the same Jesus that had two fish and five loaves of bread and fed over 5,000. They gave him two fish and five loaves. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. The order matters because everybody wants to be blessed, but do you know that being blessed comes with the breaking? Being blessed comes with the breaking. Oh, there's some stuff that God's going to have to break. There's some relationships that you're actually going to experience a break up. There are a lot of things that God wants to break. And once you allow me to break your will, I could now distribute, distribute you and consider you a miracle. Blessed it, broke it, and he gave it. The same Jesus who goes to a little girl's house. That everybody says is dead. And he says, Talia Takumi, which means little girl, I tell you, arise. And she gets up and the whole house is dumbfounded and flabbergasted. And they can't believe it. And Jesus says, hey, y'all, shh, don't tell nobody about it. I'm like, Jesus, how are we not going to tell nobody about it? She was pronounced dead until you came on the scene. I believe Jesus is telling us there's some things I'm going to do in your life that you're not even going to have to talk about. You're not going to have to blog about. You're not going to have to post about. They're just going to see it walking. This is the same type of Jesus to tell me that when he goes to his hometown, he could do no mighty works there. What happened? Was it all a hoax? What happened to this powerful, miracle-working Jesus? Did Jesus run out of a charger and he needed some more miracle power juice? Or was it Nazareth had a Wi-Fi shortage? <laughs> he really couldn't get a good connection with heaven there. Like the service was bad. He had to be with like AT&T or somebody. <laughs> he had to be with somebody that dropped calls. I really couldn't get my service here. What happened to where he goes to this town and this, this Jesus that we heard about, the miraculous. See, have you ever wondered why it seems to be a famine, especially in Western Hemisphere Christianity? There seems to be a famine of the miraculous. There seems to be an absence of the move of God in the earth, especially here in America. Now, other regions of the world, they're seeing the power of God. They're seeing moves of God. And certain places in America and communities, we're seeing demons cast out. We're seeing the miraculous work of God. The mother that was told she would never have children now has two or three children. The person that the doctor said, you have six weeks to live, 
That was seven years ago. We are seeing the miraculous, but why does it seem there's a famine of the miraculous? And I believe I found the answer. Jesus tells us in verse 4, he says, a prophet is without, what's that word? Honor. Oh, that's it. A prophet is without honor except in his home country. I'm honored everywhere else except here. So I believe, church family, we're dealing with an honor deficiency. We're dealing with an honor deficiency, especially from my generation. We don't know how to honor. So I just feel led to try to give you this truth and this power on tonight for part six of this World War Me series. Let's talk around this thought from this subject. Put some respect on it. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Put some respect on it. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on it. <laughs> Can I get everybody to drop it in the room with a little bird man swag? Put some respect on it. Put some respect on it. Add a K when you spell respect. Put some respect on it. <laughs> We're talking about honor. See, listen, you got to understand this. You got to understand this. In earth, Jesus' number one message while he was here in the earth was the kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. I understand now we have a lot of Christians who don't care about really representing the kingdom. They just want to pass. I just want to, when I die, go to heaven. That's all I care about. But before Jesus died, he lived. He lived and he gave us principles on how to live by so we can experience kingdom living. I said all of that to say there are some kingdom doors that you will only be able to walk through once you understand this kingdom key. Listen, I'm going to say it again. There are some kingdom doors, some doors that won't be open until you understand and have revelation about certain kingdom keys. Like one kingdom key is giving. Not just of your money. Also of your time, of your hands, of your presence, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together and running over. And then let's continue that verse. It says for the same measure, for the measure you use, that same measure will be measured to you. That is the kingdom key. When you live a life of giving, you will reap what you sow. Reaping what you sow is not a bad thing. It only becomes a bad thing if you sowed bad seeds. Yeah, you're going to reap in that area if you give. What was the bars I tried to articulate to you? When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. That is a kingdom key that is going to unlock a door for you to experience another level of kingdom that you would not if you did not know this key. And honor, honor opens a kingdom door. There are some places and some things you'll never walk into if I don't know this kingdom key. I'm going to give you y'all the, I'm going to give you these keys. Are y'all ready for this? Let's look at this. Look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. Giving what? Honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Whoa. God is saying, hey, listen, bro. The effectiveness of your prayers is tied to how you honor your wife. Wow. If you don't honor her, 
and you don't recognize that I need y'all to understand that y'all are heirs together, there are some things that you're asking that will never be, that will never be given because honor is tied to your prayer being answered. I'm going to give you more kingdom keys. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. What's that word? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So you telling me honor is tied to my life extension? <laughs> and could it be possible that maybe this is the reason why some people die prematurely? Woo! Y'all don't want to talk because honor is a kingdom key. The way you honor your mother and the way you honor your father is tied to your life extension here on the earth. I'm going to give you more honor keys. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It says, therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who, what's that word, honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. He's saying, hey, bro, if you want to honor life, honor me. Honor me. You want the things of your life to experience honor is tied to how well you honor me. So good. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, let the elders who rule well. Be counted worthy of double. What's that word? Honor. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. It's saying, listen, those individuals who spend time before God, those who are leaders who are constantly seeking the face of God, have our hand on his wrist. What is heaven saying? Make us your PA system. Honor your pastors. That brother that's holding you accountable from biblical scripture, honor them. That woman of God who's trying to help you grow, honor them. Any person that has dedicated their life to help you grow, give them honor. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Honor one another. If we had everybody in the sanctuary right now, I would say, listen, high five your neighbor and tell them I honor you. I don't know if we'll ever do high fives anymore. <laughs> but what does honor mean? Honor means to be aware of the value and esteem it highly. When I honor something, this means I'm aware of its value and I esteem it highly. And since I can't get everybody in here to high five one another and say I honor you, right now in the chat room, this is what I want you to do. Tag somebody. Look down the screen. Look at somebody and just tag them. Hey, I honor you. Hey, Michelle, I honor you. Hey, James, I honor you. Hey, Tim, I honor you. Let's start an honor thread. How about that? Something different. Let's create a culture of honor, a system of honor, a thread of honor, because it's tied to the miraculous. It's tied to healing. It's tied to the miracle working power of Jesus. Let's create an atmosphere, a culture of honor. And I know it's not popular for my generation. I know it's not something that may make you shout. I know it's not something that may make you run and drop a fireman emoji, but I'm trying to give you a key and I'm trying to give you a principle that will help you unlock the miraculous, that will help you receive what Jesus is trying to extend and the very thing that he could do in another place, he could do in your place if you understand the key of honor. Honor somebody. Tag two, tag three. I honor you. A culture. A culture 
and a climate of honor because dishonor is a king repellent. Did y'all hear what I just said? Dishonor is a king repellent. This is why we have to be careful from adopting all these cultural colloquialisms. Things like, you know, what well, only God could judge me. My dude, that is Tupac Shakur, not the Bible. <laughs> We're actually supposed to judge a tree by the fruit it bears. And I've discovered usually when somebody says, don't judge me, only God can judge me, what they're really saying is don't try to correct me. <laughs> I believe personally anybody could judge you. It's only God who can sentence you. Y'all missed that. We have to stop adopting these cultural colloquialisms. Like, you got to give respect to get it. Forget what Jay talking about. <laughs> you got to give respect to get it. You want honor, you got to honor me first, my dude. Hey, sis, you got to honor me first. Give me something to honor. Give me, look, the Bible does not say honor your good mother. Ooh, I feel like that just hit somebody in the whole chest. The chest, the neck bone, the collar, esophagus, I feel it just hit somebody all in the throat. It does not say, honor your good mother. It doesn't say, honor your good father. It says, honor your father and honor your mother. And you may be like, what do I honor about my mom and my dad? Just the fact that God selected them as the transportational system to get you here in the earth. If that is the only reason I can give you honor for that, I honor you. I'm not saying you got to kiki key in her face. I'm not saying that y'all got to talk every single day. I'm not saying that y'all got to go shopping, that y'all got to talk every minute, every hour. But I am saying be aware of their value and esteem it highly. Honor them because it is tied to your life extension. Honor, honor. And the American culture, it's where I live, the American culture orbits, digests, and consumes dishonor. We are a culture that breathes dishonor. It's in our music, it's in our TV shows. I remember the other day, like before COVID started happening, my mom and I, we were walking, and there was somebody's pants that was kind of low. And she said, oh, I'm going to tell him to pull his pants up. I said, leave that brother alone. <laughs> leave him alone. Well, you know, I don't leave him alone. The culture we live in is a dishonoring culture. It ain't yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. These Negroes will turn around and cuss you out. And listen, I don't want nothing to activate my sinful nature and cause me to go to jail because you talked about my mama, you touched my mama. Y'all pray for me, but don't say nothing. Let's not give no place, no foothold. Let's give no foothold to the devil. Don't say nothing to him. He likes his pants like that. That's how he likes his pants. <laughs> because we live in a culture of dishonor. We breathe it. We crave it. We eat it. We're petty. We're ratchet. We'll clap back. Everything about our life breathes dishonor. And, and where Jesus, he was in an atmosphere where he could do no mighty works. Why? Because th there was a dishonoring tone there. I want you all to see this in the message version. Look at this. Mark chapter 6 in the message Bible. It says, Jesus told them, a prophet has little honor in his hometown, among his relatives, on the streets he played in as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid hands on a few sick people. Somebody say, I want to be the few. 
<laughs> he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That is all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching. He left because a king was in their presence, but they didn't reverence him. Listen, he left because they only saw him as Jesus, the son of Joseph. They didn't see him as Jesus, the son of David. Y'all missed what I just said. They only had a one-dimensional perspective of Jesus. They didn't see him as the Messiah. They only saw him as the carpenter. See, you got to understand this. When you view people the wrong way, you limit your access to receive what they carry. When you don't honor individuals, I know this is different, especially from millennial, but it's needed. When we don't honor somebody, whatever it is that God has put on their life for them to carry, we limit our access to receive that because we don't honor them. Like at our local church, we have a woman's ministry. A sister over it is named Maggie Thomas. If one views her, if we don't view her as a queen activator, but just, oh, that's Steve's wife, you won't honor it, which means you're limited to receive what she carries. Another minister in the church who has a passion for men, if we don't view him as a roar activator, but we just view him as, oh, that's brother so-and-so, we won't honor it, which means we will limit our access to receive what he carries. Sister Tracy, I call her Heaven's FedEx. She's on our intercessory team, and when she prays, she gets stuff on the desk of heaven. If you need something, tell her I need prayer. She will get it on the desk of heaven. If you only view her as a religious woman, this means you won't honor her, which limits your receptiveness to receive what she carries. If you don't understand that by the grace of God, I'm honored to be his PA system, but if you just view me as Jerry Flowers Jr., and don't honor what God has called me to do, what that means is you're going to be limited on what I carry. If you don't understand for those that have other pastors that that is the watchman over your soul, not just one that comes up and just reads something out of the Bible and has a microphone in their hand, but I'm talking about a graced shepherd of God, a graced anointed individual that God is using to be his oracle. If we don't understand that, we won't honor him which means we're limited on what they carry. They did not honor Jesus. They only saw him as the carpenter. So they were limited to receive his miracle-working power. And, and this is the part right here that blows me away, y'all. He says, the text says, he left because no one wants to come in a house that has a welcoming mat but unwelcoming people. Dishonor is a king repellent. And so he left. And I think the scary thing about this, the scary thing about this is there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of communities, and yes, I said churches. Let me say it again. There are a lot of churches, there are a lot of communities, there are a lot of relationships and marriages that Jesus left a long time ago, and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. Lives going on all across the world. People are present. The following on social media is present, but the king is absent. He left a long time ago because we only view him in 1D. Now, this is the part that concerns me. As I was studying and reading this, I saw, you know what happened after Jesus left? 
After he left, he went to Gennesaret, he went to Galilee, he went to Bethsaida, he went to Caesarea, he went to Philippi, he went to Mount Hermon, he went to Judea, he went to Capernaum, he went to Jericho, he went to Jerusalem, he went to Bethany, he went to Bethpage, he went to Gethsemane, he went to Calvary, but the Gospel of Mark never says he went back. It says he toured other Villages, you're telling me I'm going to miss out on what God could do in my life because I don't understand the power and the importance of honor? Put some respect on it. Honor. I was at this one Nigerian church years ago, right? And I don't know nothing about the Nigerian culture at all. But there was this one guy who walked in the room. And as soon as he walked in the room, everybody was shaking his hand going, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Now, I try to be a sponge. I'm not that individual. If I'm in a room, I'm a flex what I've done, flex tour. I don't do none of that. I'm a sponge. I'm real quiet. I would just notice and everybody, yes, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. I've never bowed to nobody in my life, but I just kept seeing everybody's bowing to him. And so when he came to me, you know what I did? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. I was able to recognize this is obviously somebody who is worthy of honor. I don't know what he does. I don't know who he is, but I'm going to honor him because I'm able to read the room and I'm able to see this is somebody that we should honor. I wasn't arrogant like my generation. I don't know who that is. And you got to put some respect on it. Put some respect on my man. First of all, I got to know who you are. I had no idea who that was. I didn't know that was a bishop of over 400 churches. And me giving him honor allowed to when they had the lunch break in say young man follow us god bless you sir <laughs> i was able to read the room and say this is somebody obviously we honor i don't have to know who he is but i do know that honor is a kingdom key and it allowed me to get into a kingdom door that i would not have got in if i was like uh, what's up bro <laughs> honor can i get somebody to say honor Whew. And please don't try to have a theological discussion like, yeah, he left, but God is everywhere. That's not totally incorrect, but it is incomplete. God is everywhere, but he's not everywhere the same way. Woo! I wish I could turn this sanctuary into a classroom. If I could, I would sit on the front row and raise my hand and wait for Professor Jesus to call on me. And I believe our conversation would go as follows. Excuse me, Jesus would say, yes, Mr. Flowers, you have a question? I do. What does it mean that you're everywhere, but you're not everywhere the same way? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. What it means is that my awareness is everywhere, but my presence my awareness is everywhere, but my presence, and presence in the Greek is parousia. Presence in the Greek is parousia. It means my arrival. Yeah, my awareness is everywhere, but my arrival, my glory, and glory in the Hebrew is kabod. It means abundance. Let's put that together. My awareness is everywhere, but my arrival in abundance. Y'all see that? My presence is everywhere, but my arrival in abundance comes by invitation only. Speak Holy Spirit. My presence is everywhere, but my arrival in abundance? Oh, that's by invitation only. You have to seek my face. The day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. When I'm knocking, answer the door. If you draw nigh to me, let's see this. James chapter 4, verse 8. Look at this. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. So what he's saying, he's like, listen, you seek my face, I'm right here. 
Anybody that's watching this message, you feel far from God, guess who's the one moving? Not him. If you draw nigh to me, I'm going to draw nigh to you. If you want to leave me, as much as it hurts my heart, I'll let you go and I'll stand there waiting for you with open arms. You don't believe me? Ask the prodigal son. Because God is a leader, not a dragger. Therefore, he will let you live on whatever level you settle for. His hometown didn't experience the miraculous working power of God. And that's something I understand now. Listen, you can have more degrees in a thermostat. You could exegete a verse with hermeneutical accuracy and theological surgical skills. But if there's no power there, if there's no fire in your bones there, if there's no anointing there, if my degrees are present, my accolades are present, people are present, my gift is present, but the Holy Spirit is absent, I'll just be impressive, but I'll never be impactful. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm a man who recognizes that I need the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just be impressive. I want to be impactful. God, use me as your oracle. You have the Holy Spirit rid my life of filth and rid my life of pride and rid my life of arrogance and rid my life of lust and rid my life of greed. I want to be anointed and make me your oracle so that every single time you grant me the opportunity to speak, my mouth is yours. My tongue is yours. Matter of fact, you Use my tongue as your paintbrush and artistically and accurately draw a sketch of your glory on the canvases canvas of men's hearts. I want to be your instruments. I don't want to be typical. I don't want to be mundane. Is there anybody else watching this message that you now have become allergic to average? I don't want ordinary. I don't want typical. That makes me allergic. You could be out with somebody and they just start acting average and you just start getting allergic. Like, look, check, please. I just refuse to believe that God is going to have me wait then send me trash I want kingdom I want kingdom church Bible says he left now you got to understand this they knew Jesus they saw Jesus play in the street as a child they saw Jesus Jesus play with water during the heat of a summer day they probably saw Jesus and his father working together at his carpentry work they could have even saw Jesus sit down while taking splinters out of his hands because you do know Jesus was a man's man and he worked in carpentry. They knew Jesus so much to where they knew his sibling's name. See, listen, some of y'all probably feel like you know me and we family, but you don't know my sister, my brother's name. <laughs> you don't know me like that. You don't know me like that. They knew Jesus like that. They know his sister's name, his mama's name, his father's name. They knew his brother's name. They knew Jesus. They saw him grow up, but they couldn't stand when he blew up. Man, I hope y'all are listening to this. They saw him grow up. But they couldn't stand when he blew up. I'm trying to help somebody on a night. This is why people who try to bring gossip about you, you should be like, listen, that's outdated information. I evolve on the regular. You just know me as the carpenter, but I have mutated into the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am a Redeemer. I am a Waymaker. I'm a Promise Keeper. The person that you knew me as 2006, the person that you knew me as 2012, matter of fact, the person that you knew me as yesterday, I'm not them anymore and you got to make sure that certain people can handle your growth because some people can only handle your growth to a certain level can we talk and it usually always seems to be family in them 
Yeah, let's put Ebonics in this, family in them. And I think the reason that family is the one that usually has the most to say is because they know your background, they know your history, and y'all both come from the same place. But when they look at how far you are compared to where they still are, your growth agitates their stagnation. Your growth agitates that they have been stagnant. And I believe they're thinking like, okay, who is this man? We saw him playing, we saw him running, and now he's doing miracles, and now he's doing miraculous, and they got offended. It. This is why you got to know who you are because if you don't and you're desperate, you can settle for somebody who only has level 10 potential. But since you met them at level 5, you will entertain them not knowing you got level 40 potential. And so now you're in relationships where you feel stuck. You're in communities where you feel stuck. You know why? Because they only have a potential that's beneath what you're supposed to reach. Oh, this is so good. This is why we got to stop saying cultural things. I want somebody who's there if we ever hit rock bottom. I want somebody there who's with me through thick and thin. If everything fails, I want somebody to be there with me. The problem with that is, what if you only get a person that can handle, when, handle you when you're down? Oh, but they can't handle you when you're up. They knew who Jesus was, but they really didn't know who Jesus was. So they didn't honor him. They could never see him as Jesus, the son of David, because they only saw him as Jesus, the son of Joseph. They couldn't see him as Jesus, the Messiah, because they only saw him as Jesus, the carpenter. And due to how you see God's people will determine what you receive from him. I'm trying to help you. If you only view God as the one you go to when you sin, you'll never view him as the one who can keep you from sin. If you only view him as a teacher, this means you'll only get lessons. If you only view him as a doctor, this means you'll only get prescriptions. But if you ever get to the place like Moses understood, I am that I am, you don't compartmentalize, compact, or try to minimize who God is. You recognize he's multifaceted. What I need him to be on Monday may not be the same thing I need for him to be on Tuesday. And the thing that I need him to be on Tuesday may be a different thing on Wednesday. And what I need God to be on Saturday might be a whole other thing that I may need him to be on Sunday. He's multifaceted. So I think our problem, point number one, is we see Jesus one dimensionally one dimensionally when you experience a bad breakup when you get laid off you pray when you're in a situation that's scary you pray I don't want prayer to be a last resort I want it to be a first response I don't view you in 1D and that was their problem they only viewed him one dimensionally so they couldn't honor him and receive every dimension of who he was. And, and this is not just a Bible issue. This is also a 2020 issue. There are a lot of religious sectors that view Jesus 1D. Let's go through a few. Muslims only view Jesus in 1D. They say that he was a great prophet. That is correct. That is a sentence in his bio. But that's not the totality of who he is. Judaism has a one-dimensional viewpoint of Jesus. They view him as a great teacher. That is correct. That is a sentence in his bio, but that's not the totality of who he is. 
Hindus have a one-dimensional viewpoint of who Jesus is. They call him a holy man, which is right. That's one sentence in his bio, but that's not the totality of who he is. Buddhists have a one dimension of who Jesus is. They say that he was a holy man. <laughs> he is God, lowercase g. No, 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 correction. He is God, capital G. That is a sentence in his bio. That is who he is. And even New Age, they have a one dimension viewpoint of who Jesus is. They say that he is a moral teacher. That is correct, but that's just one sentence in his bio. That's not the totality of who he is. And unfortunately, I have to say this. There's some Christians that only see Jesus in one D. In one D. They only see him as a Savior, but they don't see him as Lord. Savior is you saved me from my sin, but Lord is now you boss of my life. Like, I put respect on who you are. When I make decisions, I first filter them through you. When I want to do something, I first filter them through you. It doesn't matter how I feel. Some might be like, you know what? I don't feel as though they're honorable, so I don't feel as though I should give them honor. Here's the problem. In the kingdom, we don't go off how we feel. Feelings are wonderful servants, but they're terrible masters. We don't go off how we feel. We surrender our will to what God has called us to do. He's not just my Savior. He's also my Lord. And when he's Lord, he's boss. He's boss. See, this, I'm getting ahead of myself. This isn't hard to understand for somebody possibly in London. They kind of understand whatever the king says goes. Whatever Queen Elizabeth says goes. Here in my, where I live in a democracy, it's a little different. We're not used to that type of rulership. But anybody else who's ever been in a kingdom, you don't argue with a king. You don't clap back with a king. You don't tell a king, well, I don't like this. Well, I think you should. Well, how long? This is a king. <laughs> it's different in a kingdom. And the king was trying to give us principles on how to live by. And the reason that they could not experience this miracle working power is because they saw him and 1D. Somebody say one dimension. The second reason I think we're limited in seeing the miraculous is because we're wearing the crown. We are wearing the crown. Have you ever seen these churches? I'm about to get in trouble. These churches with these big chairs in the pulpit. Everybody else's chairs are all worn out. But here comes the man of God. Or here comes the bishop of God. Here comes the woman of God. It's almost as though we forgot we're servants. And we're not the king, but Jesus is. He's the one running this. He's the one that has the final say. And I'm saying, like, a lot of these ministers act as though they're celebrities and they're stars. I'm like, bro, you're just a hunk of dirt. <laughs> you're just dust. That's it. So what? My dirt is better than your dirt? At the end of the day, when I die, I'm going back to dirt. It doesn't matter how my bank account looks. It doesn't matter the color of my skin. We all going back to dirt. So how is another piece of dirt going to be better than the other piece of dirt? We're wearing the crown. God's kingdom can't come in our life because ours hasn't gone yet. Woo! His can't come. What he wants to do in your life, you have too many, I feel, I feel. Well, I don't think, I don't think. I feel, I feel. Well, it don't make sense to me. You have too much logic. It has to make logical sense to me. It doesn't make logical sense. Well, that didn't add up. Well, that didn't make sense. Well, that, didn't, you know, that just doesn't equate well with me. It's because you're trying to use logic. God is so massive and so mighty. If you try to grasp him in your finite mind, you'll doubt his existence. 
Keep on thinking about how mass and how vast he is. You will start to doubt his existence. Where did he come from? How did he just get up there? He had a son. Well, who was his mom? You just start asking all these questions. And your finite mind can't grasp how mighty, how sovereign, how holy, how majestic our God is. And the reason we're not seeing the miraculous is because we're wearing the crown. We're in the driver's seat of our life. And if a road is too bumpy, we'll make an exit, even if that road is God's will. We're wearing the crown. Next reason on why I feel as though we're not seeing the miraculous, we're surrounded by dishonoring people. We're surrounding ourselves by dishonoring people. We're surrounded by dishonoring people. You have to understand this. Carnality is a secondhand smoke to your spiritual growth. Carnality is a secondhand smoke to your spiritual growth. And many times when it's time to change who you are, that also is going to require for you to change your circle. Okay? Let me show you this. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. It says, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I, look at this, dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit well but if not after that you can cut it down so what is this parable saying jesus is saying there's this tree that i'm expecting for it to have fruit and i'm ready to be like yo you know what why are you sucking up all of this dirt cut it down and he said hold on wait let me dig around it maybe maybe it's its circle maybe y'all missed it maybe it's the friends maybe it's things that are around the tree Maybe it's the community of the tree. Maybe it's the friendships of the tree. Maybe it's the bay of the tree. Maybe it's the boo of the tree that's keeping it from bearing fruit. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dig around it and I'm going to fertilize it. You know what fertilizer is? It's crap. Crap. So it's like maybe through this crappy situation, they're going to get a prayer life. Maybe through this crappy situation, they're going to seek my face. Maybe through this crappy season, they're going to start praying. They're going to start binging the World War Me series. Maybe through this crappy situation, they're going to recognize I need some new friends. 2020 is on this type of level. It's like a purging year. Whoever you lose in this year probably wasn't your friend. And whoever lasts until the next year, that's probably your real one. Because 2020 just purging. And right Right here, Jesus is showing us maybe it's what's around the tree. Maybe if I put some fertilizer on it, maybe if you go through something, maybe if there's some trial and some testing, then they'll be fruitful. This is so good. Next reason I believe why we're not experiencing the miraculous is because of misplaced weakness. We think honor is weak. You know how much strength it takes to show honor? To a person that you don't think is honorable, that takes strength. But we think it's weakness. It's because even now, listen to this message, for a lot of people, it doesn't sit well with you. It's because we've allowed culture to be our professors. And everything of the kingdom is the antithesis to culture. 
What's cool in culture is not cool in kingdom. And what's cool in kingdom is not cool in culture. And a lot of times we're saying, man, I'm not doing that. That looks weak. But in the kingdom, that's strength. That's strength. The last one, I think the most painful one, he's not our king. He's not our king. What the king says goes. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? King Charles has no power over me because I'm not a citizen under his territory. Queen Elizabeth has no power over me because I'm not a citizen under their territory. And a lot of us are living lifestyles where we're claiming that the kingdom is my home, but we're not living as though we're a citizen of the kingdom. And maybe this is why we're not experiencing the miraculous. Maybe this is why we keep getting deceived. Maybe this is why we keep experiencing hurtful relationship after hurtful relationship. Like, man, I thought this was the one. I don't understand. I thought this was the one. I thought I heard God. I thought I was his wife. Here's the problem with playing the role of a wife. You may not even get the part. I don't play a role. I wait until God has confirmed that role. So there's certain things that are off. Oh, y'all ain't going to go there. There's certain things that you don't get access to because I'm not yours yet. And in the same way, God's like, there's a lot of things that you're asking that you want to have access to, but you're not living life like you're mine. If I'm your king, if I'm your Lord, I need you to stop seeing me in 1D and stop viewing the word of God as a list of electives that you could choose which one that sits the best with you. And in Jesus' hometown, they didn't get to experience what Jesus was doing everywhere else because they didn't believe and they didn't honor. And I came on here tonight to challenge you. There's power and there's a door that opens when you live a life of honor. So God, touch our hearts. Convict us to recognize if I have a dishonorable mouth if I consume dishonorable things, but then wonder why I can't produce honorable ways. God, show me the error, error of my ways. Not so that I can feel bad about myself, but so that I can become better. Your word, God, helps us to be better, live better, so that we can be your billboard. Help us to live a life of honor so that we can experience the miraculous. In Jesus' name, amen.